I'll write down that rabbit hole So reality is questionable Try but you just can't let it go These two right here put on the show It's paranormal overload with southern hospitality Haunted murder mayhem tip while discussing immortality Locations with a dark past History that comes to life Hillbillies with a knack for Everything that goes bump at night Overthinking if you by yourself These two will have you turning on the lights Mixing in a little comedy to make sure it all fits in just right hey. Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories Now here's your hosts Jerry and Tracy Paul And their dog Ninja Do you like podcasts about paranormal investigators or psychic mediums, or maybe even a near-death experience, true crime event, or heck, an ex-cult member? Well, my podcast, Because I Want to Know, might just be right up your alley. Hi, I'm Leslie Fear, and I talk to anyone and everyone who interests me. So it's not always paranormal. It could be a hot air balloon pilot and historic Gettysburg reenactor. I mean, guys, I've even interviewed Mormon cult leader Warren Jeff's 65th wife. So yeah, you can cherry pick my episodes. So come on over to Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And one more thing, I am a paranormal romance novelist with my latest being Apollo Sun to be released in January of 2022. So if you or someone you know is a reader, you can check out all my books on amazon.com. Just look up Leslie Fear. I'm very easy to find. And lastly, I want to thank Jerry and Tracy Polly for getting me started in the podcasting business. Yes, I'm here solely because Jerry said you need to be a podcaster and guys, I love it. So I can't wait to share my podcast with all of you. And thanks for listening. Hey guys, welcome to episode 287 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. So Tracy, we've got a fun episode tonight. I can't wait to do this one. It's one of our most popular topics. Okay. But obviously first, we want to thank all of our military and civil servants all over the world. No matter which country you represent, thank you for doing what you do each and every day. All you men, women, and service animals, much obliged. Amen. Keeping you guys in our prayers. Thank you for keeping us safe and being our angels. We love y'all. Also, we want to uh, mention that if you are struggling in the mental health area, which a lot of people are for various reasons, we want you to know that we're there for you. If you feel the need to reach out, please do. And if you are not comfortable reaching out to us, reach out to somebody, friends, family members, our Facebook group is very good at helping uplift people, and there's over 5,000 people, so doesn't matter what time of day it is, somebody is always available on there. That's true. Um, if you would rather call the hotline, that number is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. You can also text at 741-741. Please reach out, though. Please. Yes. Tracy, before we get into the story, um, we had some sad news today. We found out yeah. that one of our longtime listeners, uh, Ashley Dottillo, uh, she actually lives not too far from us, but we unfortunately have not had a, the pleasure of meeting in person. Had a couple of different times where we were supposed to and something happened along the way where we couldn't. But uh, I had uh, her fiance reached out to me today to let, let us know that she passed away on Christmas Eve. 
Yeah. And uh, he just, you know, knew that she loved the show. She bought, I can't, she bought the book. She bought mm-hmm. T-shirts, magnets, stickers. And she was constantly uh, reaching out and telling us that she's got somebody else to listen to the show. As a matter of fact, in my last conversation with her, which was uh, December 13th, was her telling me that she actually gave her book to somebody that they, they she thought could use it and has got them listening to the show and how excited that they were to listen to the show. But that's that's the type of person she was. She had a great personality. I've talked to her a lot over the last year. And uh, I knew she had some major medical problems, but still 36 years old. Yeah. Is way too young to leave this earth. Yeah, that was a shocker. And we really just are brokenhearted about it. And, you know, she don't have those medical problems anymore, but we sure are going to miss having our conversations with her and, you know, just be our angel and watch over, sweetheart. Yeah, she leaves behind a six-year-old son. Mm-hmm. Uh, just turned six back in October. So. Yeah. And if you, you know, looking back, you know, she was posted some pictures and she was commenting, you know, what a blessing it was and how her life's changed and how she wanted to be a better person ever since he was born to her. It was kind of uh, gut-wrenching to kind of read that stuff. I know that was just a couple of months ago. Yeah, I know. It, it was really hard to hear. Well... With that being said, we're going to get into our topic if we can talk over top of Ninja snoring in the background. He's extremely loud tonight. He totally is. And I don't know. I guess this topic is kind of fitting for tonight, considering, you know, everything that's going on. So, Tracy, we've done three previous episodes on past lives, and that subject is constantly brought up by listeners as their favorite episodes. The only other topic that really um, gets mentioned as much as that one is the rock and roll and the occult episodes. Mm-hmm. And that one also gets mentioned as much for being hated. So that's, You're right about that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I was uh, I was doing an interview with Tony Merkel from The Confessionals that mm-hmm. will also be on this episode. Awesome. So tune in afterwards. We had a fantastic conversation. But we got on the subject of reincarnation. So I thought this would be a perfect time to do another past lives episode all right i have to admit that this is possibly the most fascinating topic that we covered to me i love the rock and roll stuff too but this is to me is life-changing mm-hmm. i found out that 33 percent of americans believe in reincarnation so let's discuss some people who may have had memories of a past life We're going to start with this one for you because I wouldn't have covered it otherwise. And it's also probably the weakest story we got, but it's interesting to say the least. Kim Kardashian, a few years ago, said that she thought her son, Sam, who was nine months old at the time, was the reincarnation of her father, Robert Kardashian. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm adding this story, like I said, because of you and you worship all things Kardashian, correct? (laughs) Correct. Okay. When Kim and Kanye West were expecting their son, he was born through a, a surrogate mm-hmm. uh, because Kim had already had a couple of kids on her own and she couldn't afford for her butt to get any bigger. So that's not the reason? Stop. <laughs> no, it's not the reason. <laughs> anyway, um, Kim and, and some family members went on a trip to Bali and a blind medium there told Kim that the baby was going to be 
a reincarnation of her father. Man, how awesome is that? I would just be on cloud nine about that. Kim said that no one on the crew knew that they had a surrogate or that the surrogate was pregnant with a boy. Wow. Then, after Psalm was born, Kim asked her uh, baby nurse, I guess is uh, more like a nanny for Mm -hmm. her, that she would watch the child, to watch the baby when she went out of town. So the nurse took the baby to a baby shower. And nobody at the baby shower knew that this was Kim's child. Kim Kanye's kid. Someone at the shower, a guest, approached her and just out of the blue said, tell the baby's mom that this is a family member of hers reincarnated. What? So then you got two completely <gasps> different people at different places that have brought this up. That's amazing. And then the last little bit is Psalm is left-handed and Robert was left-handed. I know that's not the most. Well, no, but it's the little things, you know? You know. Well, that's amazing. That's so cool. That was probably the shortest story we have tonight. But I thought it was was cool and it was kind of topical since everybody knows who Mm -hmm. Kim Kardashian is and Kanye West. All right, so let's go to India for this next story. 1935. Four-year-old Shanti Devi had some claims about a husband and children that she had. Four-year-old. Mm-hmm. Her parents quickly dismissed these claims because <laughs> obviously yeah. she's four. What does she know? That was until these claims started to become extremely specific. Shanti talked about the food that she ate with her husband and the clothes that she used to wear. She even went on to describe her husband. He was light-skinned with a mole on his left cheek, and he wore reading glasses. But there was even more than that. Shanti also said that he owned a cloth shop, and it was in front of the, I'll probably mess this up, the Dwarkardish Temple in Mathura. That's very specific for a four-year-old. How does she even say that word? Right. You could barely. (laughs) So it's important to point out that Mathura is a city that Shanti had never been to, nor did she have any family members living there. So it wouldn't something that would have been brought up around the house. It's also 113 miles from where she currently lived. So by the time she was six, Shanti told her parents that she had died in a previous life during childbirth. Whoa. She also told a cousin of hers that her husband's name, and I know I'll screw this up, Pandit Kadarnath Shabe. That's Sound- as specific as it gets. I mean, yeah. So the cousin found this man. No! Yes. And she wrote him a letter, because he can mind this was in the 30s. She wrote the man a letter and told him about Shanti's claims. She said the description that she had written in the letter about the man. Her husband. Yes. Matched perfect. So, yes, he was light-skinned. He had a mole on his left cheek and he wore reading glasses. Oh, my And that was his name. Wow. So, he agreed to meet. He came to Shanti's home in Delhi. During the visit, Shanti described the man's house. And get this. 
she explained exactly where in the house that he hid his money and the location of a well that she used to take baths in. You better get out of here. There's no way. She started crying when she saw the man's son, the son that she supposedly died <gasps> while giving childbirth. Stop. Oh, my goodness. In 1937, the Mahatma Gandhi, I don't know why I said the, <laughs> he's the only one. Mahatma Gandhi appointed a committee of 15 people to do a complete study on the case and even go with her on a trip to Mathura. When she visited her husband from her former life, she was able to direct the driver through the city to the house as if she had known the area her entire life. Is that... That is so amazing. But let me ask you, I mean, as a child, a four-year-old, a six-year-old, or whatever, I mean, how does how does she process that? I mean, how do you... I don't know. Uh, that's an interesting question, is is how does a child deal with, with those mixed emotions? And I think from everything that I've read in all these different cases, is most of the time, uh, I've heard cases to where one girl, for example, we don't have this story tonight, but I'll tell you briefly about it. Her mom was watching the girl. She walked up to this big tree and she looks up at one of the branches that kind of hung out, like a branch you could probably climb and sit on. Yeah. And she's watching the little girl. And the girl, I think, is like five. And she says, you know, she's just, that little girl's just staring up at the branch. And then she appears to be talking to somebody. So the little girl comes back and her mom's like, who are you talking to? And she was like, well, I was talking to my other mom. She says, your other mom? She said, yeah, it was my mom from a previous life. She had gotten, I can't remember if it was bit by a snake. I think it was bit by a snake. And it got infected and she had to have her leg removed. So she said she was, she's up in a tree and she's only got one leg and she needed her help. And the little girl told her, I can't help you because I'm not your, you're not my mother anymore. I have a new mom. So she came back to her mom. So in that situation, she actually processed it with, you're from a previous life, I have to continue with my new life. But a lot of these kids are like, hey, when I had a mom before, when I had a dad before, when I had a husband before, and they tend to just be like, hey, it's just, you know, it is what it is. This is my life now. But then there are other times to where I know we did the story, I can't think of the young lady's name, uh, but she moved to, from England to Egypt and but she could never accept her her new life here. She and, and she married somebody from Egypt, and she moved to Egypt because she said that's where she belonged. Mm-hmm. So in some cases, they they completely never accept their new life, and only accept their past life. So I guess it really just depends on the situation and the child. Well, that's pretty. It's pretty wonderful, in a sense. Then and that's crazy that she could describe every single thing, and then as it's. As an adult, you're like, what? You know, adult, how do they even handle it, you know? Well, I mean, you know, we handled that, we are handled, we, we discussed the situation on, I think it might have been the last one we did, about the young lady from Sweden who thought she was the reincarnation of Anne Frank. Mm-hmm. And then when they went back to her old home, even though they'd never been there, she was able to guide them, walk completely straight to the house without ever being there. So there's got to be something to that because there's so many of these cases people right. can go to places they've never been mm-hmm. and that you're going to hear another one in a little bit. 
with a similar situation. Next, we are going to Australia. Good day, mate. <laughs> Already knew. He looked right at me. <laughs> this is where a four-year-old boy told his parents that he used to be Princess Diana. Um, huh? Well, they initially laughed it off, thinking it's just one of those things that kids say, because, you know, kids do say the darndest things. Yeah. But they soon realized that he knew things that he shouldn't and couldn't have known. His name was Billy Thompson. He was two years old when somebody gave his British mother a greeting card that had a cartoon picture of Princess Diane on it. Billy pointed at it and said, look, it's me as a princess. Hmm. According to his parents, they had never discussed Princess Diana with him as she had died 18 years earlier. They also didn't have any type of royal family uh, memorabilia in the house. So he didn't know anything about the Queen or Prince Charles or Princess Di, any of that. I mean, was, yeah, he was only two years old, He too. was only two years old, and they were living in Australia at the time. Mm -hmm. So they were no longer living there, so there really would have been no need. Billy then started talking about two boys. He then explained that he meant his two sons, the British princes, William and Harry. Billy started to describe a castle that he would visit when he was Princess Diana. He said that it had unicorns on the walls. Now, the unicorn is the, the Scotland's uh, national animal. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't either. It's even on their royal arms, though. If you ever look at the royal arms, it's got one on each side. Oh. Now, he accurately named Balmoral Castle, which does include unicorns as part of its outside and inside decor. So on the outside, in the walls, there are unicorns. Inside, there are unicorns placed or whatever. Another shock for his family's parents happened when they showed him a different picture of Princess Diana. He said, yes, that's me as a princess again. But then one day the sirens came and I wasn't a princess anymore. They can only assume that they're talking about when she died. When she had her accident in France, and uh, the sirens came. And wow, the, that's mind blowing. The strangest part of this was his recollection of a brother named John. So his parents were kind of relieved because Princess Diana's brother's name was Charles. So they're like, okay, there was no John. Okay, so he's actually wrong on something. So maybe you know, big sigh of relief. Well, so they checked some history, and they found out that she indeed had a brother named John, but he died a few hours after childbirth, a full year before Princess Diana was even born. So That's once, creepy. Once again, things that he shouldn't and couldn't have known, they didn't even know that. But he knew it. Oh. So that's all there is of that story. I mean, that's unbelievable. I know there's not as much... In that story, okay, but yeah, as, but there, as there is in some of the others, but what's there? There is like really blows your mind. Yeah, how would he know about two sons, William and Harry? How would he? How would he know that at at three years old, two and three years old? Makes you wonder. Next story is from Lebanon. 
This one comes with a little backstory first, okay? In the 1950s, there was a woman named Hanan. Now, she married a man by the name of Farouk Mansour. And he came from a very wealthy family, okay? They had two children together. After the second child, she developed a heart problem and was advised not to have any more children. She ignored this warning, and she had a third child in 1961. In 1962, her health started to deteriorate. She started to talk about death. She told her husband that she was going to be reincarnated. This was two years before her death. When she was 36, she was um, sent over to Virginia in the United States to have heart surgery. Now she tried to call her daughter Leela right before the surgery, but she couldn't get through. She had the surgery, but she died from complications the next day. Hmm. Ten days after Hanan's death, a baby named Suzanne was born. Shortly before her birth, Suzanne's mom had a dream that she was going to have a baby girl. She had a dream where she met a woman who was about 40 years old. They kissed and they hugged in the dream. And the woman said, I'm going to come to you. She would later see Hanan's picture and say it looked identical to the woman in her dreams. So one day when Suzanne, the baby, was about 18 months old, she picked up the phone and said over and over again, Hello, Leela. Hello, Leela. Which was Hanan's daughter's name, who she tried to call the day before her surgery. The family had no clue who Leela was. Now, as the little girl got older, Suzanne explained that Leela was one of her children in a previous life. She then said that she was not Suzanne. Her name was Hanan. When the family asked who was Hanan, the little girl said that she was still young, but when she was older, she would tell them. She went on to name her husband and all three kids, as well as 30 other relatives, including her parents. So, Suzanne's parents decided to try to find some of these family members. The Monsoors heard about this, and they were skeptical, but they agreed to come visit. That changed when Suzanne was able to name and identify each one of them. Oh my gosh. Even though she hadn't seen any pictures of any of them beforehand. She also said that prior to her surgery, she had given her jewelry to her brother, Herkel, in Virginia. She instructed him to divide the jewelry between her daughters. This was later verified that that's exactly what happened. When Suzanne was five, she would call Farouk three times a day. When they would visit, she would sit on Farouk's lap and rest her head on his chest. Aw, man. When she was 25 years old, she would still call Farouk. How about that story? 
I mean, I just don't know even what to say about these stories. It's just, it's just the weirdest thing ever. I mean, for the skeptics, the skeptics would say, I mean, we don't know that any of that really happened. That could just be completely made up. And I mean, I guess technically it's true, but some of these are verified. Yeah. You know. It's pretty amazing. All right, so I got a, a couple of shorter stories. They're not really shorter. They're kind of about the same size, but still very interesting. First, though, I wanted to give you a few facts. Now, we said earlier 33% of Americans do believe in reincarnation. And we've mentioned before on previous Past Life episodes that Professor Jim Tucker at the University of Virginia is the top expert of children who have had past lives in the entire world. So he's been doing this research for years and years and years. They've looked into hundreds of cases over the years. And according to Dr. Tucker, close to 75% of the cases that he he's they've been through there at University of Virginia have been solved. Now, in this case, solved means that a person matching the child's memories has been identified. So, like in this cases, they found mm -hmm. Farouk. Or in the other case, you know, they found the husband. Now, in addition to that, 20% of these kids in the cases have naturally occurring markings or impairments that match scars or injuries from the person from a previous life. So basically, if the person they were with before, we'll take the example of the one we told before, where the guy was killed with an axe in the head. And in his previous life. And the, the baby that said that that was him had a birthmark on his head mm -hmm. where that axe would have hit. So that kind of thing. Or we've had the situation where the guy had a limp mm -hmm. from the beginning, you know, because the person that he had had a limp or from a previous life had a limp or had an amputated leg or something. And they would have a limp. In 20% of all these cases, the person had a birthmark or uh, a bad leg or a bad arm that matched the person from a previous Oh, my gosh. Life. Wow. All right. Lee, a two-year-old in the Midwest, insisted that he had another house and another mother. By the age of three, he began say saying that he was born on June 26th rather than his actual birthday of June 21st. Lee claimed that his middle name was Ko, C-O-E, and that he wrote movies for a living. He also said that he had a daughter named Jennifer. Now, his older sister asked, asked him, well, then how old were you when you died? And he promptly replied, 48. Lee's parents started reading off several movies to him just to see, you know, what, what catches his attention. When they mentioned Gone with the Wind, he became very enthusiastic and he insisted, yeah, I wrote that. Okay. His parents did a Google search and they saw that Gone with the Wind was written by Sidney Cole Howard. This kid was three, so he didn't know how to do Google. Yeah. Howard was born June 26th and he had a daughter named Jennifer. Oh, man. <laughs> As you probably expected by this point, he died at the age of 48. The little boy named everything correct. As these details were 
unanswered or unknown, I guess, by Lee's parents. It's a mystery how this three-year-old boy would have known them. Mm-hmm. All right, Tracy, this next story is going to start in Great Britain. Next, we're going to talk about Arthur Flowerdale. He had been haunted his entire life by inexplicable and vivid memories of a city surrounded by a desert and a temple carved into a cliff. Sounds pretty. It does. Then one day, he's watching a BBC documentary on TV, and he saw that same temple in the city of Petra, Jordan, in the Middle East. Now, the city matched exactly the one that he had been seeing in his head for as long as he could ever remember. Interesting. Flowerdale shared his story with several people, and eventually he was contacted by the BBC reporters, and they actually wanted to air his story. So they flew Flowerdale and several archaeologists to Petra. Flowerdale was able to recognize landmarks with ease. More amazing is that he was able to point out landmarks that had not yet been excavated. (laughs) Man, he's got some major skills. He was then given an ancient device, a device that had baffled scholars for years as to what it was used for. Because they didn't know what it was for. Yeah, they didn't know what it was for. And Flowerdale offered a very plausible explanation of what and how it was used. I don't. I don't have any. Um, oh damn it! You don't de- know. I don't have any details on what, what the was. heck. Okay, so then he sees a guard station. He recalled that he had died right there at that guard station when he was stabbed with a spear. So I don't uh. know how long ago this would have been. The experts who had accompanied him on, to the site believe his claims of reincarnation. They doubted that someone would be able to fake the amount of knowledge that Flowerdale had about the area. I still can't believe we don't know what that thing was used for. You still can't believe it's only been like a minute since I told you. You <laughs> act like that was something we talked about at the beginning of the show. <laughs> that that story reminds me a lot of, and I can't think of the name, but I did a past live story for Hillbilly Dead Time Stories a while back. And it was the lady we talked about earlier that was from Great Britain. And in, in that story, I'll just briefly touch on it, even though I can't remember her name, which is probably an important part. But anyway, she, uh, her parents from a little, uh, as a little girl, she started telling her parents that she wouldn't, she didn't feel comfortable here. This was not her home. And she would sometimes climb underneath her table and just say, I want to go to my real home. This isn't it. And when she was like three or four years old. And eventually, one day, her parents took her to um, the museum, and it, they had a uh, display of Egypt artifacts and stuff. Mm-hmm. And when she saw that, she's like, this is home. This is, I know this stuff. And she was always talking about a town that she, uh, where she lived, but she never really could perfectly describe it. And they were also watching a BBC documentary and saw... This uh, this place in Egypt, and she's like, there, that's that's where I live. And she started saying, oh, that place right there used to have a garden right there, but it's not there now and all this stuff. And then she ended up marrying a man from Egypt. She moved to Egypt, and she ended up being one of their uh, most well-known archaeologists uh, there in the area. And she picked out places that hadn't been excavated yet. And that's, that's where they found all this stuff. So a very similar story in that. Well, and, that's uh, so fortunate for her. How, you know, she just came back a hero overnight. Yeah. Basically. 
Yeah, and they, they gave her the job, but I can't remember what it was, but it was like the head of uh, of uh, like Egyptian artifacts or something like that. And it was the first time a woman had ever been given that position in the entire history of Egypt. Yeah, you go, girl. So that's how much she knew about a place that she wasn't from. Man, that's just, every time you hear a story, it's just hard to believe it, but it's so interesting. All right, so we're going to take a real quick sponsor break. And then, because, uh, you know, let me, every time we do this, I always, I don't know, should I say we're taking a, a break for our sponsor or from our sponsor? So now I'm just going to say sponsor break. <laughs> so we're going to take a quick sponsor break and then we'll back, back to talk about uh, some other stuff going on. And uh, we'll have Tony Merkel from the confessionals. All right, Tracy, we are into the new year now, which means you're going to hear us start talking more about the live events we got coming up. The first one, obviously, is in April. It is in Louisville. Us, Ohio, Mysterious Circumstances. It's going to be a fun, fun day. So go get your tickets because we sold 120 tickets last time in two months. Mm -hmm. This one will, it probably won't sell out because we can fit 300 people in there. We don't want 300 people in there. We'd rather have like 150 or so. Why don't uh, we want 300? That's that's a lot of people. It's It's hard to give the amount of attention that we want to give to everybody when you got that many people. Oh. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. We like to be able to talk to everybody, and it's hard sometimes to talk to everybody when they're 70 or 80, so you get 300, I hate to even think yeah. how it would be. That's true. So, anyways, it's it's for you guys. It's because we care. It's not about the money. It's about giving you guys your money's worth. How about that? There you go. Um, We've got the cruise coming up. I was talking to... Robin Troop the other day from Vacation Experts, there are still spots available and you've got time to be able to still pay this off on installments if you get in now. So go to our hillbillyhorrorstories.com. There is a page there with phone numbers to Vacation Experts. Call them, get booked on your cruise. We're already looking at what we're going to do next year. And I think we're going to take a cruise from the West Coast. So maybe something from California to Mexico or something like that. West side. So for all you out on the west side that say you always get left out, trust me, your your uh, words have been heard, your voices have been heard, and we're looking at it. So, but we'll have more details on that cruise it's coming up hopefully soon in the next month or so. But uh, we got other shows coming up: Indianapolis. We got Bobby Mackey's. Uh, we got West Virginia for our uh, one year anniversary. So, a lot of our things coming up. one-year anniversary? I'm sorry, our six-year anniversary. Oh, my God, you been, dude. Time flies, just like your lip smacks. Oh, I did it again. <laughs> Daggone it. Freaking lip smacks. So, anyways, um, that's going to be a fun show also. That's at the old college. So, that's one, like Bobby Mackey's, that's going to be <laughs> that's going to be where you get the show and a tour. And it's going to be us and, of course, uh, Annie and Brendan from Serial Spirits. And that is going to be at the old hospital on College Hill. So we're excited about that because you get the tour just like in Bobby Mackey's and the show. That's cool. That'll be exciting to do. It will be. And we're going to probably make a trip up there before that, just kind of check the place out because we have been meaning to, just haven't had the opportunity. Oh, groovy. All right, Tracy, what do you got going on over there? All right. Damn it, honey. I can't help it. You didn't do this at all for five years. Now all of a sudden you're doing it. I don't know why I'm doing it. I'm sorry, y'all. Okay. Watching too much Kardashians. Um, Like, uh, like, uh, like. They do not lip smack. They They lip smack and like. No, they don't. You lie. They like to lip smack. No, they don't. Go ahead. Don't act like you know them. I've seen enough to know them. Oh. 
Anyway, iTunes reviews this week. We have Mailburb, Tunes89, Punky Clown, and Mojo Lobster. Thank you guys for your awesome reviews. They were wonderful. And our Patreons is Angela Warren, Mary Booker Holmes, Rachel Trim, and Kaylin Ron. Thank you guys so, so much for your patronage. We appreciate you and your support. Keep those reviews a coming because we love them. And absolutely. And for all of you that have filthy minds, thank you for tuning in to Warning You Will Be Offended and listening to our new episode. I appreciate it. Those of you that don't have filthy minds, don't listen. It's not, <laughs> not going to end well. So, <laughs> but if you like if you like that kind of dirty humor, Brohio-esque, give us a listen. All right. Right now we're going to give a listen to Tony Merkel and the confessionals. And this was a fun one, guys. We had a, a lot of good conversations. Tony uh, tells a bunch of stories that uh, from the confessionals that he really liked. And I know it's one of the, one of the more fun interviews we've done in a while as far as just back and forth conversation, touching on a lot of topics. Hey guys, this has uh, been a long time in coming. I don't know why it's taken this long, but I've actually got one of my favorite podcasters and I'm sure for a lot of you, your favorite podcasters, uh, I won't take that as a slight, but uh, Tony <laughs> Merkel from The Confessionals is actually on with us today. Tony, thanks for coming on, buddy. Thanks for being, or thanks for having me here. I almost said thanks for being here. <laughs> well, we are both here, so I guess technically you wouldn't be wrong. Yeah, so, yeah. Tony, we did a live event together. Uh, it's, it's funny, but it's coming up on three years ago now. In May, it'd be three years. We did a live event with uh, your buddy Wes from uh, Sasquatch Chronicles and Twisted Philly back in uh, Houston and uh, did two sold out shows there. Probably could have done three or four if we'd have had the availability uh, for it. It was an awesome show. Uh, Wes brought uh, Bob Gimlin out. Uh, it was it was just an awesome day. And it, I can't believe it's been almost three years. It, it time flies. I mean, uh, that, that was 2019, right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, so if I remember correctly, it was May of 2019. Yep. And, uh, and little did we know a little more than a half a year later, the world was going to be turned upside down and, you know, we were, we would, we wouldn't see each other again for a long time, <laughs> you know, uh, it, the, like the world just kind of shut off like then within like what, six months after that, pretty much. Yeah, because, I mean, it's everything changed. I mean, that following year, there was no NCAA tournament from the basketball. That was completely cut down. I mean, just, yeah. yeah. And things are slowly getting back to normal now. I mean, I think uh, yeah. as, as you learn to live with things and learn, you know, because you remember in the beginning, I mean, it was like people were wiping down their groceries and they were having yeah. their mail set for two or three days before they touch it because you just didn't know. And, and now people have a, a, a more grasp. It's just something I think we're going to have to learn to live with because it doesn't look like it's going away anytime soon. Yeah, I, I remember I saw a company. I, I was looking at it in, I think it was like late December. I started hear, seeing and hearing the rumblings coming out of China. And I went to work. Uh, I was driving truck at the time. And I went to work and I started telling the guys, I'm like, hey, you, you, we should uh, pay attention to this. And they're like, ah, oh, shut up, you conspiracy theorists. You're, you're always <laughs> talking about that crazy nonsense. And then literally like, Two months later, it's like the beginning of February. They come into work and they're like, you were right. I was like, I've been telling you we're all going to die. <laughs> so let's talk about that. You you were driving a truck back then, but you're a full-time podcaster now. Uh, yeah. How's your life changed since you were able to start doing what you really love as a profession? Um, 
Well, I'll tell you what, how do I say it? So I never had to worry about work life balance because driving truck full time and then building the podcast the way I did it, that was like a full-time job too. I mean, I was constantly working on it and I, I never had to worry about how to split up my time. I just knew that every waking moment I had of my life was either driving a truck or podcasting, working on something. And now that I'm doing this full time, I'm still almost a year into it. And I'm still trying to learn that, that, um, that work-life balance where there's times that it just happened two nights ago. I was down here till four o'clock in the morning working on stuff. And I woke up at nine o'clock in the morning and came down here by like nine 30, started working again. And it's just like, I don't know how to stop. And so I, I got to get better at that, but I will tell you uh, it has been life-changing when it comes to being around my kids. Uh, that's the whole reason why I even made the switch because I was planning on, I wasn't planning on anything to be honest with you. I was happy where I was at. I was like, I'm podcasting, I'm driving truck. I like driving. It was free healthcare through the company. I mean, it was just like, why, why rock the boat? Why change anything? And then it was a Monday morning. Like my schedule was, uh, from like, I'd get up at like eight 30 on a Monday morning, be at work by nine 30, work till like seven, eight o'clock at night come home, work down here in the studio then till like two, three in the morning, then do that every day of the week. Saturdays were my interviews. And then Sundays I was doing interviews for my other podcast. It was just constant. Well, the one Monday morning I woke up and I got my coffee. I was heading upstairs and my son, who was like three at the time, came running over to me and he said, daddy, where are you going? And I said, I got to go to work today, buddy. I got to drive my truck. And he turned around real slow, head down, facing the ground, started crying, saying that I don't want to spend time with him. And I was just like, Oh, I got to change some things here. <laughs> so uh, I went to work. I cried a lot. And I had I came to the conclusion that I needed to quit something is either going to be podcasting or truck driving. And I figured ah, I could always go back to truck driving. So <laughs> here we are. I don't think some people realize how much work goes into podcasting. You know, you're probably the same as I am. You probably have people approaching you all the time asking for advice and they're going to start a podcast yeah. and everybody seems to think, Oh yeah, I'll put into work a couple of months until I can start making money at it. And they don't realize that 99% of the podcasters never make a penny. And it really is another full-time job if you want to do it right. And it can consume yeah. you, you know, you, you were the exact same boat I was in when I was working my full-time job, it was six days a week, 70 hours a week. And then I was putting another 50 hours into the podcast and there was no other time. It was do one, do the other, just like you said. And, you know, now that I'm doing podcasting full time to make any money and to actually make a go of it, you're scared to stop working at, with that intensity because yeah. you're only going to make money if you're putting out content and if you're putting out good content and the people still like it. So you have that extra worry now of, I don't have the other income to as it uses a safety net this is an extra income now this is my only income and yeah. it's a lot of stress that you put on yourself and you know i was telling somebody the other day we did this full time and they're like well that's pretty cool you make money just by getting it on, on a microphone and talking for a few hours a week and i'm like it was like when i was doing comedy <laughs> everybody everybody thought when you're doing comedy oh you just show up at the at the club or you show up at the venue and you do your 30 minutes or 45 minutes and that's all you do and it's like they don't see all the behind the scenes stuff 
that goes into it. And, yeah. and, and I'm sure you have some flexibility to be able to, you know, if, if your wife and kids want you to go somewhere at two o'clock on a Wednesday, you can work around that, and make it happen. That's the good thing, but you do still have to work around it because I'm sure you probably put in 50, 60 hours a week minimum on just the podcast. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I have a friend who was one of my biggest cheerleaders to do this full time uh, in 20 in 2020, like an April ish. He's like, you should just do this full time, man. And I'm like, nah, I just don't think it's the right time. This, that and the other. And now that I'm doing full time, he's telling me like he's like like he's trying to coach me. He's like, hey, you need to have like a quick time. You just need to you just need to call quits at a certain time. Like, bro, you don't like you can do that because you have an employer, man. Like if I call it quits at four or five every day and I still don't have all my work done, guess what? I'm falling behind. Like I can't just punch a clock and punch in and punch out kind of thing. And and that's one of the biggest stresses that I had going into this is that for the first time in my life, I can't just put in more hours. I can't just drive a truck a little longer and make more money. Like I can't like it doesn't matter. I could work 24 seven all the time, not even sleep. It doesn't mean that it's going to equate to more income. But at the same time, if I don't get everything done that I need to get done, you know, as well as I do, the emails will flow in. Where is the show? Why didn't you put out a show yesterday? God forbid you miss one show, let alone if you miss a membership. I've never missed a member show and I will not miss a member show because that's the, the, <laughs> the lifeblood. You know, I like I like being able to feed my kids, you know, so but it's a it was a nerve wracking thing for me at first. Uh, a big adjustment there. I actually had a, a panic attack. I don't know if I've ever said this publicly, but um, I think it was in it was in June. It was in June because I had a really, really big interview I was anticipating to do and I had to cancel it. It, it started on a Monday morning and uh, I, I, I at first I, it felt like a, a migraine and then the tension started going back into my neck and then in my back and then my heart started uh, racing. I couldn't breathe. And this lasted from uh, Monday morning to Saturday. And I remember on Thursday I had come down here because I was like, I, I, I hadn't worked for a few days. And I was just like, I need, I need to get back at it. I sat down in front of this computer. The, the screens were blank. They were just black. And as soon as I sat down, my heart started racing. And that's when I realized, oh, th- I think this has something to do with podcasting. <laughs> and, and so I, I just, I literally laid in my studio floor for about three hours to calm down. And um, I, I started then putting up like safeguards and stuff. Like I turned off my emails on my phone. Um, my wife, she does a lot of my, my emails anyway. So I, I just separated myself with the phone at least where emails they I, I don't see them on my phone so like i get i can get them but they, the, the notifications don't come through you know right so let's talk about the confessionals uh how long have you been on the air now i know it's been several years yeah uh it's going on five years really soon actually uh january 19th 2017 is when i started first episode nice yeah Tell me a little bit about how you came up with the concept, because for people who haven't listened to the confessionals, and I can't imagine there's too many listening to us that haven't listened, you know, you have callers come in, call in and they tell their stories and it could be on pretty much any topic uh, from, from, you know, cryptids to uh, uh, exorcisms and, and, and stuff like that. How did you come up with the concept of, of, Hey, I'm going to do a show, but I'm going to do it as a call in show where people tell their stories. What prompted you to, to make the show that format? Uh, I kind of stumbled into it. Uh, I started a, the confessionals actually started as a little tiny YouTube series on on my YouTube channel that I had before podcasting. I had a, a Facebook group where uh, we it was Bigfoot oriented, 
And uh, I started a YouTube channel for that where I was just kind of talking and sharing my thoughts. And I've never seen a a Bigfoot or anything like that. I was just interested in a topic. But because I was running this Facebook group, people were contacting me saying that, you know, I saw this and, you know, do you know what this is or anything like that? I'm like, I have no idea. Like, you you know more than I do, you know, (laughs) like I just made the group because I thought it'd be cool. And all of a sudden you guys think I'm an expert or something. Um, And so I, I with the YouTube channel, I was thinking, how can I have these people share their stories? And so that's how the confessional started. In fact, the, the original intro was like a, like an organ playing, like, 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 uh, uh, what's that Gregorian chant type sounds. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. And, uh, and it was, it was a uh, very like gothic type sounding. And it was just like the intro would play. And then I, I, I had an app on my phone where I could record conversations and I just would call somebody with that app and I'd say, Hey, Amy, uh, thanks for talking with me. Can you tell me what you saw? And she would say, say what she saw. And then I'd say, thank you very much. And I'd hang up the phone. Like, I was just like, you know, I, I'm just having them share their story. I didn't, I was like, I, I don't, I don't know how to hold an interview. Like, I don't know what to do with that. So that's how it all started. And then it just kind of snowballed from there into uh, what it is now where I, I, I even kind of cringe at saying interview because it's not an interview. Like I'm not a journalist, I'm not a paranormal journalist where I, I have preset questions and stuff. I just hold conversations with people and talk with them. And uh, that's kind of like my wheelhouse and uh, people seem to like it. Um, I just, uh, you, I'm sure you get this too with, with the, the audience and stuff. You, you, as the podcaster, you learn over time where um you're never going to make a show that everybody's happy with it. And, 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 and and people, I always try to describe it for people like they're they're out there. They're listening to one person sharing their show to them and they're an individual and I'm an individual. But what people have to understand is that I'm an individual sharing it with thousands of individuals and all of them have their own perspectives and understandings. So like I, I used to be like, okay, this show everybody's going to love. And then like, I get the angry emails or something like, dang it. I thought I had it this one, you know, but now I'm just like, uh, people like it or they don't like it. It is what it is. But, uh, that's kind of how the show all started and stuff. And now I just, it's just very conversational and just having fun and chatting with people about their experiences and stuff. And I let them kind of guide the, uh, the tone of the conversation. Uh, sometimes it's, it's a scarring type thing where they, there, there is, it's very serious for them. It's, It's hard for them to talk about, and so I, I let them guide the tone because sometimes people, they're like, yeah, this happened to me, but I can laugh about it now. And so then we, it's more of like a, a jolly, yeah, it's more yeah. jolly and, and happy and, and just, you know, yeah, I was raped by a demon once, you know, it's just like, okay, you know, but you know, some people it haunts them still and it's hard for them to even talk about it. But I like those interviews, uh, a lot because it, it, I walk away from it feeling like I'm giving a service to people. The fun, the fun conversations is just fun for me. Like I like talking and laughing with people, but the ones where people like it, it's more serious and stuff. Uh, I know that what we're doing is offering a service because we're allow, we're allowing people to to share things that they probably haven't shared with a whole lot of people because you know it's hard to talk about. Like I mean, uh, it's hard. Like I, I was talking, I'm working on a, on a pretty big story and the one woman that I was talking to, I, I, I just floated it out to her. I said, you know, 
do, would you mind if I talk to you about this and stuff? And I thought for sure she'd say no, because I, I contacted her is out of the blue. She has no idea who I am. And she actually said yes, because I've been wanting to talk to somebody about this, but I can't talk to a therapist because they're going to think I'm just crazy. And I'm like, you and that's you, sad. It, it, it's so sad. It's so sad. I, I had, I have an interview at some point. It's going to air here. Uh, it, it's a lady who works in the industry, the, the mental health industry. And she got into it for these things because she believes that a lot of people are misdiagnosed and, uh, and, and there, there's, she believes there's a much more spiritual component to this all uh, that isn't really focused on in the scientific community and, uh, or the medical community. And so she kind of has a different angle to it, but it's really sad that people feel like they, they can't, they can't find help. And so I, I like the fact that we as paranormal podcasters can talk to people and they, they, they at least know that they're talking to somebody who's not going to be like, this person's freaking nuts. Like we're here for this purpose. Like we're here to hold conversations with people and, and talk about these types of topics. And even just the, the person listening to the episodes, hearing the conversation, it's it, like, I, you probably had emails like that too, where people email saying what you talked about this week, you know, I really identified with because I thought I was the only one that's ever experienced that all those kind of things. Yep. And so it, it's, it's really, it, there's a, there's a, there's part of me that gets like a deep fulfillment in helping other people with that kind of stuff. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a counselor and I don't pretend to be one. I'm just a dude that believes you and has conversation with you. So that's about it. You had touched on the fact that sometimes they have nowhere to go for help as far as from the professional field. And we were just talking about that on a, a UFO episode that we did this past week. And I can't remember the gentleman's name, but he uh, well, well-renowned uh, advocate, for people who have been abducted and he started off, he was a, he was a psychiatrist slash psychologist and he didn't believe in any of this stuff. And then once he started hearing these stories from experiencers and abductees, he became one of their biggest advocates. And that's what I was telling Tracy. I said, it's so unusual to find somebody with that background that believes because they're pretty much taught that if you're thinking this, you're probably off a little bit somewhere. There's some kind of mental issues going on. Uh, so, you know, it's like I said, that they're taught to not believe anything paranormal. So it's yeah. it's odd to find somebody that will actually take that stance that, hey, maybe it is possible. Yeah, it's the social norms that we have in our society. Right. I mean, like like the culture that we live in uh, doesn't allow for that kind of wiggle room. And so when people are having these experiences, it, they feel like there's nowhere to go. And I'm really glad for technology in that sense where we, we, you know, a couple guys that, you know, really like, who are we really? We just, we started podcasts because we were interested in a certain topic. And, and, but by doing that has opened the door for other people to really find um, some kind of healing in the process. Uh, if you look at other cultures throughout the world, not all the cultures are like us. Some actually are more geared towards understanding uh, the, the spiritual parallel, uh, paranormal type atmosphere that we live in uh it's just the western western culture that we live in just does not allow for that i think it's kind of changing though i, I do see a lot more spirituality coming into our culture um but uh typically yeah it people just they just generally feel like they're crazy it's probably because they grew up in a in, in a world where this stuff is hollywood that's it it's not real you know that's why i always think that you have so many children at an early age that can see things because they've not really learned that, hey, that's not the norm. 
But as they get seven, eight, nine, ten years old, being told constantly by their parents, no, that's just your imagination, this and that, that they just eventually quit seeing the stuff because that's what they're told. Yeah. No, I, I, I scare the hell out of my son all the time when he's like, daddy, are monsters real? Yep. <laughs> yes, they are, son. Yes, they are. You know, <laughs> listen to episode 73. You'll hear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, at some point, I'm sure the, the, the kids will wind up listening to my show. They're too young for it right now. Uh, but just being who I am and stuff. I mean, my son, I mean, I think his first favorite animal was Bigfoot, you know, like he, he was saying Bigfoot at a very young age. He knew what it was. <laughs> he could point it out in pictures. And I didn't, I'm not walking. First of all, I'm barely walking around the house with him as, as it was. I was driving truck. I mean, I wasn't around a whole lot. I was podcasting and driving truck. Literally. I didn't see my family. And, uh, he, he's just somehow caught on to this Bigfoot thing and he would be able to point out Bigfoot, Bigfoot. I'm like, okay, all right. Uh, but you know, I got, I got weird, yeah, not weird, but like more like creepy pictures on the wall and stuff in here. And uh, I, I noticed my daughter noticed the pictures for the first time a couple of weeks ago and she just kind of looked at it and I just kind of took her, picked her up and kind of carried her out. I was like, okay, <laughs> maybe she doesn't come in the office for a little bit yet. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, you should see how the grandkids act in my studio. I mean, I got a, I got out of screen a seven foot clown standing right beside me, and then uh, they don't like coming in here very much. <laughs> I, I have to tell you, my wife wouldn't like your office. She's terrified of clowns, terrified. So let's talk about uh, the confessionals. Uh, I'm going to tell you some of the stories that have stood out to me, and then you tell me some of the stories that you've told over the year or listened to over the years that have stood out to you. Now, one that I like, and I can remember, it's one of those, it's not as bad as like a catastrophe where you, you know where you were, but I, I remember where I was when I heard this story. I was in my front yard cutting the grass with my headphones on, and you had a gentleman on, this was probably three years ago, uh, and he had worked as a camp counselor. I believe it was a Christian camp or a Bible camp, and there was a member that was, I want to say one of the counselors, maybe that was, um, had a possession case and they kind of like did a, an exorcism kind of right there on the spot. And for some reason, that story has just always stood out to me. I don't know if you remember that particular story or not. I but... don't, <laughs> I don't, I, I, uh, I, I remember I just came out with, I thought when I just came out of the sh a show, an episode called uh, demon boy, uh, for the members. And it was a, a guy who was a camp counselor. And uh, he tells this story of a little boy who I don't know what this little boy was or what was up with him, but he had abilities. Like he said that him and his, his co-counselor told the little boy that he had to eat his carrots that, you know, he asked for more, he asked for extra or whatever. And the kid wound up yelling at them like, no. And when he, when he did that, both him and the co-counselor they, they dropped, they, they like passed out, they fainted, they were just gone. And, and, and that was just the beginning. Like, it, like the, the guy's crazy, crazy story. And what was really cool for me on my end in that sense was I put this, this show out and it turns out the, the guy who he was talking about in the recording came across that episode because it was an overtime show. So I do, I, sometimes I do a public show and then we carry the conversation in overtime where we talk more. Well, that's what that was, this was. So the demon boy was the overtime, but we had a public portion and the, the guy stumbled across that. And he's like, Hey, I, I know this Emmett guy. 
And then he signs up to become a member because he heard what Emma's going to be talking about. He, he listens to that. And then he emails me and say, hey, this is crazy, but I'm the guy he's talking about. <laughs> I'm just like, whoa. Oh, wow. He's like, everything he's telling you is 100% true. I'm like, wow, man. Wow. So you don't get that kind of confirmation all the time, you know? Yeah, it's a small world, man. It's a, we, we forget sometimes that the reach that we have uh, with our audience and I know we did a story about Zach and Addie in New Orleans, which was a, a really famous story. And as a side note, at the end, we had mentioned that there was a person uh, that was involved with them, actually involved in a documentary that was shot that was a good friend with both of them. And she ended up, her and her boyfriend ended up doing something similar where they had kidnapped, um, I won't say kidnapped, but they had lured a young lady that was a dancer in New Orleans back and they ended up killing her, dismembering her and throwing her in the in the uh, river there. And that's kind of how I presented it. I mean, I didn't really give, a, I, I did mention the young lady's name uh, that was the victim. And lo and behold, um, not thinking anything about this only being like 20 years ago, her brother contacted me and said he listens to the show and he was very disappointed that we covered that because that was his sister and it's it's hard on him and his mom every time this gets brought up. And I mean, you, you don't think wow. that somebody listening to the show is going to have that close of a tie. And of course, I you know apologized to him and I made a public apology and we've not covered any stories really that have been that recent to where there possibly could somebody have somebody tied to it that it could, you know, bring up some bad feelings. But that, that was a valuable lesson that I never would have thought that her brother would be a listener to our show. Yeah. I mean, we, we sit here and, you know, we have our audiences and stuff. And we're just like, all right, how many people are in the world? Seven billion, seven and a half billion. Surely most of the people like, like nobody's going to hear my show, you know? <laughs> and then you, you find out like Joe Rogan has 11 million people listening every time he puts an episode out and you're like, okay, so I'm nothing. And so nobody's ever going to hear what I say, but <laughs> it turns out people actually listen. And, you know, sometimes it comes back on us. What's uh what's been the most um, what's, what's the story that you've listened to from your listeners that has had the most effect on you? something that just stands out hmm uh there there's been there's been quite a few over the years uh you know there there was one episode where um i don't know if i want to go with that one so so there there was this one episode i think it was 175 and i remember this kind of steps this always stands out in my head because it kind of shifted my paradigm on how i think about things um because i i can be kind of just a a goofy kind of guy and i just kind of have fun uh i tend to not take things as serious as i should sometimes and episode 175 we had melissa on the show and she's talking about how she had this this lifelong haunting following her around and it now, and I've tried reaching out to Melissa to see what updates are, uh, are, are available. She stopped responding. So I don't know, but uh, as far as I know, her son is being affected by this stuff now. Like it's, it's like transitioning into her son's life and that's obviously serious and all that. But what got, what really caught me was one night there was an episode happening and this entity is 
is messing with her. Her, her husband was at work, he worked night shift. And she said that she started hearing uh, the sound that she would always hear, which sounded like a windmill going whoom, whoom, whoom. And that's when she knew things were vamping up and something was going to happen. Side note, I've had other people tell me similar things uh, since hearing that. And I don't know if you have ever heard it, but it, like, I don't know if it's a phenomenon or what, but like I've had a couple of people now tell me that they, they hear like almost like a windmill type sound when they're having these types of experience or it's getting ready. But she was the first one I heard that. And she said that she started hearing that sound. And then this entity, I, I don't think she, she actually saw it at this moment, but she's laying in her bed and she gets pulled out of her bed, out of her bedroom, down the hall, into a living room. And then she's laying on her back and she looks up at the ceiling and they had like these cathedral type ceilings in the house. And that's when she saw this entity like on the ceiling. And so like this, this thing had the ability to, to physically drag her out of her bed down the hallway. And she's crying. She says that she calls her husband. He has to come home from work. Uh, you know, she's just unconsolable. She's like crying on my show too. And uh, it hit me because right around that time, I, I was getting in the habit of saying, and I probably still say it sometimes just out of habit, but I'm like, I'll say things like, um, you know, who, whoever died by a ghost, you know, like, like, you know, like, because people say to me, like, aren't you scared that you're going to get, you know, a haunting in your house from talking to all these people? I'm like, no, what, what's the worst could happen? It's just like, like nobody's going to die from a ghost. Who cares? And I just kind of act real laid back with it. But when I heard that, it just kind of made something click in my head. And I was like, if that thing could do that, there's no telling what they could do if they wanted to. I mean, if they can move your, your body physically down a hallway, if you say you're on the second floor, it could have just tossed her out the window. Uh, could it have picking up, picked up something much lighter than her, like a knife and thrown it at her? Like there, there's a lot of things that started clicking in my head that I just, I guess in my it, part of me was just like, Oh, that's Hollywood. And now I'm like, Oh no, that, 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 that could be really, that could be real. And uh, it makes you wonder sometimes some of these mysterious types, death types, type of deaths, are they, do they have a paranormal tie, you know? Uh, and, and I just, I guess it, it really opened up my mind to that side of things where I was just like, okay, um, I, I think that, you know, I need to change my tune on that because maybe I'm going to piss off an enemy one day and they're like, okay, I'll show you sucker. <laughs> you know? Uh, but yeah, so I think that was, that was a very impactful episode. Um, I, I've had a, I've had a lot recently and I just erased my whiteboard, which I had to pass the past few months on. So I, I have a hard time remembering what I recently came out with, but, uh, I, I know I've had a quite a few episodes recently that I was, I was really excited to, to release to people. Uh, and there is one story that it's not gonna, um, it, it, it may not be on, on the confessionals, uh, because this story, it, it's going to start its own podcast for this story. Like it, it's, it's so, it's so big that I just, I can't put it on the confessionals because I mean, it, like, you know, you put out all these episodes and it, this, this story is going to be like a 10 episode story or more. I'm not going to chop it up and spread throughout the year and have it all mixed together with everything. And I'm not going to, uh, release 10 episodes straight of the same story because then I pick up an audience in that 10 week period that's not used to me de deviating off that that storyline and so I'm, I'm going to start a whole other story a whole other podcast for it and um 
this story is it's it's reality shifting for me uh it's t- and it's not because it's opening my eyes up to things that I, I didn't think could happen. It's confirming a lot of things that we talk about on these types of shows that I feel like this guy who contacted me just wanted to share his story with somebody. Like he's one of those experiences where it's just like, like he didn't even put it in the email because he thought it wouldn't get an email back. Like he's like, he emailed me about his paranormal experience he had with his friend at his friend's parents building that's what I thought we were talking about. And then when we connected, he's like, I also have uh, this other stuff that I'd like to talk to you about. That's okay. I'm like, yeah, sure. No problem, man. And so like that other stuff, I was like, bro, you buried the lead. You should, <laughs> like, like you should have, <laughs> you should have told me about this. Uh, but I'm glad you told me because it, it's just, it's one of those things where I feel like he, he, his story uh is like a puzzle piece and i think it's like the centerpiece of a puzzle that everything else is starting to connect to uh just before you and i connected i, I came home from the eye doctor and um i, I was talking to a, a listener who i'm going to be talking to at some point and he, he's he has a girlfriend that is demonically possessed um he, he told me when he first contacted me he told me that he ha- she has split personality and he's like, I, would you like to talk to us? And we do a, an interview, us two with you, to talk about what life is like with a person with a split personality. I'm like, yeah, like, yeah, it's a little, it's a little off topic, but at the same time, it's not because you know the uh, the theories behind split personality and all that stuff. I was like, that, that'd be a fun conversation. Well, that got canceled, and uh, he he turned. It turned out that so I had a I had a dream leading up to this conversation that we were supposed to have in August of last year. Uh, that I was doing an interview with a guy and his, his wife uh, or his, his partner. And she like some kind of demon started transforming her face and she started coming through the screen. And I'm like, ah, you know, like, I like, like my <laughs> wife is shaking me to wake me up. Cause I'm yelling. And, um, and I was like, uh, and I knew I had that interview coming up. So I think that's why I had the dream. Um, but I was just like, I think uh, I need to pass on this interview right now. I'm not ready for this. And, uh, I, and I'm kind of glad I did because it turns out that this entity that's, that, that is living inside his girlfriend for decades now uh, heard him talking to her about coming on my show and was like, absolutely not. You are not, you are not going on that show. And, and so when he told me that initially, he said, my girlfriend told me she feels uncomfortable coming on your show. I'm like, okay. So I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe I'll just interview him then at some point. And um, then our text message exchange a few weeks ago, he said, instead of saying my girlfriend or something, he started talking about the split personality as the, the, the other personality as an entity. And I'm like, okay. And I told him, I said, it sounds like to me, it sounds to me like you think there's more than a split personality going on here. And then he ghosted me. And then he just contacted me today and we started talking more for the first time on the phone in detail. And essentially his, his girlfriend has been living with some entity that's been inside her for decades. And this entity is preparing his girlfriend as a vessel for another entity to take her body. And I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> and 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 I I come all all onto that because his story, what he shared with me on my car ride home, uh, 
there are aspects of it that seem to tie into this other storyline that I'm working on. And so uh, I, I, I wish I could talk about it more, but I'm just not ready to, I don't have, I don't, but it's going to be, it's going to be a really, a really interesting show when it drops, because I think a lot of people are going to see how a lot of things are kind of connected in the storyline. And this is where I'm, I tell everybody all the time, I don't care what you believe. Uh, it, I present stories that people have told me you, you get the chance to listen to a conversation when it's over, you got to walk away and say, what do I believe? You know, and, and I'm not here to tell you what to believe. I don't care what you believe. That's for you to make up your own decision. And it's the same thing with this new podcast I'm coming out with. I think it's going to present a lot of uh, interesting thought and connection points. But at the same time, uh, it's up to people to decide what they want to believe. And uh, I'm fine with people not believing. It's fine. Like, it is what it is. That leads me into uh, my next question. And we're going to get some more information before we're through about when you think that podcast to be out. And obviously we'll promote it here when, uh, when it does come out, but I've listened to your show enough to know that religion is a big part of your life. What has doing this show over the last almost five years done from a religious aspect has it caused any types of doubts has it confirmed everything that you've ever thought has it changed your way of thinking at all from where you what your thoughts were before you started doing the show oh yeah uh, yes to everything <laughs> i i uh I, I am a christian and i still am a christian after doing the show uh but i can tell you that i I think that at least, and I always say Western Christianity, meaning American, because I don't know about the rest of the world and their cultures, but I would say that I, after doing my show for so long and talking to so many people, I feel that uh, American, the, the, the general American church of Christianity is very watered down. It, it will not touch certain topics that uh, are in the Bible, but for whatever reason, they won't go there. Uh, and there are a few people willing to step out on a limb to talk about such topics that I talk about in my show in these, these theological circles. Um, that has presented a, 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 a very frustrating thing for me. And for me personally, um, I started resenting uh, churches and having issues and I still have issues <laughs> with uh, the way some churches are run and stuff, but um, it was very eye-opening. Now, um, with that said, that I, 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 from doing the show, I started diving into different topics that I had never really got a chance to get around to, never heard of before. Uh, and one of the things that I don't think I, I would ever have come across or talked about or, or thought about if it wasn't for this show was the idea of where do demons come from, from a, from a, from a, uh, a Christian perspective. Uh, the Bible doesn't talk about it. So like, I mean, people, my thought was demons are fallen angels going into podcasting. That's what I thought. That's what, that's what I believed. Um, I don't, necessarily believe that now um i think that there is a hierarchy a spiritual hierarchy that we're not traditionally taught 
in in our and, and you're like I'm somebody who who went to Bible college. I, I didn't graduate, but I, I did go to several Bible classes and stuff like that. And I can tell you from from at least my education at the school I went to, these things weren't talked about. Uh, the we um, I, I came I, I came across a guy named Dr. Michael Heiser who is a uh, a, a world renowned theologian. Like he's the guy that that interprets the the scroll the biblical scrolls like you know you know like the manuscripts like he is the guy he knows nine dead languages he he's one of those guys um and he started talking about this stuff and he said that in psalm 82 what is the, the psalm 82 was a very big turning point for him because he was studying hebrew and he was like getting his i think his masters or something in hebrew uh and so he had a Hebrew Bible. And so it's it's what was the original language it was written in, or at least most of what he was talking about. And um, in, in Psalm 82 was written in Hebrew. And the very first couple of verses, it presented a very different perspective that he never saw before. It was uh, it said that it says that God held judgment amongst the other gods. And that's the English, obviously. But in Hebrew, it says Elohim held judgment, which I, I don't know how to say it, but it says Elohim, meaning God, held judgment amongst the Elohim, the gods. And he said that literally the way this is written in Hebrew, he said there is no way to interpret it as a, a human, human counsel of some kind or anything like that. He says, this is God holding judgment amongst other gods. And he said, it's, and, and he says things like, um, it doesn't mean that you have to, you have now, now all of a sudden we're polytheistic. We can like Christianity's mono, monotheistic. He said, it simply states that it, it, it presents the, this, this new path to think on that. Did God create other beings that we just don't really recognize right now? And that's what I meant by the hierarchy Traditionally, going into podcasting, I'm like, there's God, there's angels, demons, Satan. Traditional. Uh, now, I'm like, well, I think there's those things, but I also think there's probably other stuff too. And uh, maybe the Old Testament gods that were the idol worshiping gods and stuff, maybe they weren't just, you know, wooden calves. Maybe they actually were uh, other things as well, you know, like actual entities that people were worshiping. Uh, and it, Heiser talks about how he believes that, um, that that statement that in, in Psalm 82 points to that God had, had created other gods for whatever purpose that is, that there's a, there was a hierarchy. And so like, I don't think I would have ever come across any of that stuff if I wasn't doing the podcasting and making this part of my, my life, you know? Um, but I guess it, I, 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 I really forget what where I was going to be going with all this anyways, you asked the question and I just started talking. Uh, but <laughs> um, I, I just feel like there, there's a lot of things when it comes to my personal faith that uh, have, have changed because of this show. Uh, some things have not changed, but I would say that my, my personal faith uh, has, has grown because I've become more inquisitive as to what is this is all about um 
when I, I believe that there's a God and that that God is omnipotent and very big, so big that uh, infinite, I, I, I can't comprehend every aspect of that God. Going into that, understanding that I'm not going to totally understand the makeup of this God, I can't assume that I'm going to understand every decision this God makes. And so when I started looking into all this stuff and scratching my head thinking, I don't, I don't really, I don't get it. At the end of the day, I've learned to say, I don't need to get it. I'll just wake up tomorrow and keep trying, you know, <laughs> and, and just keep going from there. So I guess uh, long story short, uh, it, it's op- this doing what I do has opened me up to other people's perspectives, other people's thoughts and opinions. Uh, it has pushed me to, has made me look at things that I probably would never have looked at before. And I've come out on this side of it so far feeling like, you know, one, yeah, I'm still Christian. Uh, but I, I have some serious concerns about certain things with the Christian faith when it comes to how it's, it's presented in culture. And, uh, I think it's a lot more complex than I originally thought and that I've been taught. Uh, and I, I think that, I think that sometimes that's intentional too. And that really bothers me. Uh, I, I think, I think there, there's a reason why, uh, like a very fun topic to talk about is the, the Nephilim uh, out of the Bible is Genesis six, you know, and that is glossed over so much in, in, in these circles. Nobody talks about it. Pastors don't preach about it because they don't understand it. It scares them. They don't want to scare people out of their church, all this stuff. And I'm, and I'm just sitting here thinking, man, you should dive into that more. That would be fun to talk about, you know? So <laughs> I, I just, uh, I, there, there's things like that, that I, I don't, I don't quite understand why uh, things are run the way they are, but ultimately uh, yeah, I don't know. That's where, that's where I'm at now. <laughs> I don't know. That how I was watching the uh, uh, the William Shatner show Unexplained that's uh, on one of the networks now, and he did a whole series, or not a whole series, a whole episode on missing books of the Bible mm-hmm. and the books that have been taken out and diving into them. It's some fascinating stuff, and, and then you know the whole reason that they were taken out and how the King James Bible came to be and stuff. And I found it fascinating, uh, yeah. and it's like kind of like you were saying with the Nephilim. It's just like there's there's stuff in there that was originally written that's not in there that tells a completely different story on some aspects and it's it's a it's a rabbit hole you can go down very deep that's i'm so glad you said that because it brings the the thing whole full circle back to me because i originally started talking about the the demon side of the stuff and uh and the the i don't think i would have looked into the book of enoch if it wasn't for this podcast and and in the book of enoch it talks about where demons come from and it's not in the bible it's in the book of enoch and, and so some people are like well maybe you know how, how can we trust the book of enoch and i'm like well you probably can't if you don't want to trust the book of enoch i mean just like i'm not going to make you trust me uh but i would say that in the new testament some of the writers directly quoted the, the first book of enoch in their writings in the new testament which tells you at least that the writers of the new testament they they read the book of Enoch, they believed it, they put weight into it enough to make it into the writings that they were writing to these churches in the New Testament. So there is some validity to the first book of Enoch because they believed it. 
And so if you're saying you believe the New Testament writers and their philosophy, their theologies, well, their theologies were partly formed from the book of Enoch. And so when the book of Enoch says that the, that demons are the spirits of dead Nephilim, uh, well, maybe because tell me where in the Bible, it tells me otherwise, you know, we just assume that the, a third of the angels fell from heaven during this war in Revelation 12, I think. And those are the demons. Well, it didn't say that those are the demons. It said those are fallen angels, angels that fell. And nowhere does it say that they became demons. Yeah, so I, I, but in Enoch, it talks about where demons come from. So I know that that's, you know, just make up your own mind, I guess. You take the information, you decide what you want to believe. I'm not here to tell you. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's end on this one, because I think this is a fascinating topic that could also play into what we were just talking about as far as religious beliefs. What is your thoughts on past lives, reincarnation, how all of that comes into play? Because for me, that's the one thing that's changed the most since doing this show. I, I was brought up Christian and never believed in reincarnation. It's just not a belief. Obviously, a lot of uh, uh, the Eastern cultures, that's a big part of their, their religious beliefs yeah. and culture. And for me, after researching so many stories and covering so many stories of past lives, I now believe that there is reincarnation uh, of, of some sort. I, I believe that when we pass away, that we go and, and learn stuff and we review our lives and then we come back for other chances. I don't know how the whole thing works, but that's my belief system now, which it didn't used to be. What's your thoughts on reincarnation, past lives, that situation? Yeah, well, I definitely think there's something to it because of the enormous amounts of people who have had uh, very convincing and, and interesting stories to back up their claims. Uh, I don't, I don't, uh, I, I personally haven't really thought about a whole lot as to what I believe personally when it comes to reincarnation. But I, I would say that, like I said earlier, if God wants to do it, he's going to do it. That's it. You know, like the whole idea when it comes to aliens, that's a big, big roadblock for people that are Christians. <laughs> like, no way. Well, did Jesus die for them, too? Well, that's you assuming they're human. So let's just back up a little <laughs> bit. And but but like but if God wanted to create aliens on other planets that he created in other galaxies that he created, he can create aliens on those planets if he wants to. Uh, and that's where I, I'm like, we, we we don't encompass everything that he is like. so. I'm not going to pretend to understand every action he makes and takes. Uh, so I would put the, the, that in the same category as that. Uh, but I, I, I think, um, yeah, I, I had a thought and it's gone now. So, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so I, I, I don't personally uh, subscribe to it, I guess, because I haven't really thought a whole lot about it on, on a personal level. Oh, that's where I was going with it. So uh, I would say that, Traditionally, if you were brought up Christian, obviously I was brought up Christian. Um, you, you're taught that when you die, you go to heaven or hell. And there is no middle ground. Ghosts are not real. If a ghost is in your present, it's, it's a demon and, and all this stuff. And once you're in heaven, that's where you stay. You're not coming back out and stuff. This kind of goes into what you're talking about. So if you die and some, whatever happens, however the whole system works, and then you're, you, you, you leave wherever you're at on the other side and you're reincarnated into this, into this 
this world? Um, well, I would say that I think it's a second Samuel 18. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but it's the story of the witch of Endor and King Saul outlawed necromancy, summoning of spirits. And then his prophet Samuel died and he's in a jam because he's an idiot and he needs, <laughs> he needs to seek counsel. So he goes to the witch of Endor undercover like cloak and all that stuff that nobody knows who he is and he's like i need you to summon the dead spirit of samuel the prophet and she's like no saul said no we can't do this anymore he reveals himself he said i am the king you do it so she's like okay your wish is my command she does it in the bible it says that he had that 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 samuel came forward was mad and tells saul that he was going to die the next day and traditionally, people would say, well, those are demons. That's a demon. Well, personally, I don't believe that demons know the future outside of what I know. Like, I know what prophecy says. I know what the Bible says it's going to happen in the future. But I don't think that they're all knowing like God, God is. I don't think they know if I'm going to raise my left or right hand before I do. Like, I think they react to what's around them. So how would a demon know that the next day Saul's going to die and he dies? Unless... It was actually the prophet of Samuel. So it, and, this, and, and I might be butchering this, but I, I got all this from, again, Heiser, who I strongly recommend people. If anybody's a similar thought process as me, look into Dr. Michael Heiser. Um, but he talks about this and, and, he, and he says that, you know, he's not telling you what to believe, but I think he leans towards the idea that Saul actually had a conversation with the dead spirit of Samuel, meaning Samuel had to have left his heavenly estate to come here to tell Saul that he's going to die the next day. And in traditional Christian theology, that should be like impossible. And so the fact that that did happen, and if it happened the way I'm describing it, which there, you know people debate that, they don't believe me, all that stuff. Uh, I, I, I understand that. But when it, comes to, when it comes to this, and if it did happen the way that I describe it here, then maybe reincarnation could be something that uh, to be looked in along those lines, because you have a very similar thing here where you have reincarnation, which is what somebody dies and their spirit goes to wherever, and then they're reincarnated into this bot into a new body here on earth. And then you have in, in that passage, a very similar thing where you have Samuel died is wherever he is. And then he comes back into this realm, not into a body, but as a, in a spirit form to communicate with somebody. So it's, it's a little similar in that, that, that essence. So um, long story short, I don't know about reincarnation, but maybe. So. <laughs> <laughs> There's a long way to go to get to the maybe. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a podcaster. I just talk. You know? <laughs> Tony Merkel from the Confessionals podcast. Tony, how can everybody uh, keep up with all things the Confessionals? Uh, yeah, just follow us on, uh, any podcast playing app, the confessionals it's there. And, uh, you can look us up on our website, the confessionals podcast and social media. We're everywhere. I think everywhere, pretty much everywhere. Uh, but I, I really hang out on Instagram a lot. Like I I've really kind of gotten away from uh, Facebook, never really got into Twitter, Instagram. I'm really hanging out there a lot. So if you want to follow us on Instagram, go ahead and check us out. The confessionals podcast on Instagram. And I think my, my personal is Tony Merkel official. I think just look it up. Tony Merkel, 
but yeah, they can check me out and, uh, you know, give me a follow. Yep. Go listen. And uh, as we always tell you guys, leave them a nice review and tell them that you heard about them on Hillbilly Horror Stories. Tony, thanks for coming on, buddy. Thanks, man. It's been a long time. All right, guys, that wraps it up for this week. I hope you guys enjoyed this one. Yeah, it was fun. And uh, we will talk to you next week. Y'all have a blessed week. Love ya.